Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Elena McDonald here. She is one of the newest clinical counselors at the Lord Center. Um, she has a really interesting story. She comes from Russia and came to the U.S., so it's really interesting to hear her talk about her time growing up there and her approach to counseling and what has been how it's kind of changed her as a person. So it's a really great interview. I hope you'll stick around. First, we have Dr. Chris Bergwald. Four. In studio for Biblical Bites with Dr. B. There we go. There's something about your lilt Biblical there. Biblical Bites that, with Dr. B. Something, I don't know. It's, it's called a, a lilt. Did, I, a did lilt. you say that? I said lilt. Yep. Uh, what's today, Renee? Today is Corpus oh, yeah. Christi Sunday. Oh, yeah. And it's really hot. It's really <laughs> hot. We that's, aren't even recording on Sunday, but, but I know what the, know. what the, it's going to be what really the forecast hot. is. But even if there's and... a variation of a few degrees, it's still going to be really hot. <laughs> right, right. So, and what's notable about this particular Corpus Christi Sunday? It is the kickoff day of the National Eucharistic Revival dun, dun, dun. in the U.S. And I believe that recently you had Father Scott trainer I on did, like last week. To talk about yes. um, the revival. Yes, so. he did. He told us all about it. Got some great information yeah. and inspiration. On what to do. Amen. So this is going to be the bishops of our country inviting us in a particular way to renew our devotion or adoration more Mm -hmm. precisely to our Lord Jesus Christ and the (laughs) Eucharist reception. And so all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. The bishops want to start a movement to unify the church in the United States Mm -hmm. and and renew our faith, deepen our faith. And so it would be set ablaze to go forth and be... Arsonist. Lifelong Catholic missionary that was through God's love. Uh, Father Scott pointed out that um, Bishop Cousins uh, is heading this up, and he said he wants to start a fire and have, I don't remember how he said it exactly, but lots of arsonists, basically. Lots of arsonists. That's Bishop Cousins said it. He's leading it, so he could. I like say that. The the metaphor that I've used for a long time about how actually every time we leave Mass, we're like um, coals, charcoals, Mm -hmm. coals that have been set aflame Mm -hmm. by Jesus Christ through his word and his presence in the Eucharist Mm -hmm. and we're catapulted out into the world so that everything, everyone really that we touch is set ablaze with the same love of Jesus Christ that we have. Yeah. But the same love of Jesus Christ that we have. So, you know, we have to be aflame ourselves. Right. right, So that's what this, this revival is about. And I love the first reading at mass. Before you start that, I just want to introduce everybody to Casey. Oh, Casey is going to actually talk today. This is Casey's debut, audio <laughs> debut. I can't actually put myself on on camera, so right, <laughs> just, right. Just so you just get to hear here. his voice, you, as you, it was with Bill. You, so yeah, but Bill could put him. Well, he only did that very it. occasionally. I know, I know. So, so that's Casey, everybody. Yes, that's Casey. He'll uh, he'll throw me under the bus just like Bill did. I'm sure. I'm sure he will. <laughs> that's what we all do here on Bill Yes. Yes. So the first reading is a short reading. It's from Genesis. I love this reading. It's short. That's not why I love it. I'll explain why I love it in a minute. Genesis 14, 18 through 20. In those days, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and being a priest of God most high, he blessed Abram with these words. Blessed be Abram by God most high, the creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who delivered your foes into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Okay, so this is Abram who becomes Abraham. Mm -hmm. Big deal. At the early on in the Bible, right. I mean, you've got Adam, you got Noah, and then you got Abraham. Right. Some other important figures too, um, but Adam or Abraham is a big deal. Right. Who the heck is Melchizedek? It rhymes. Did you see what I did there? Who the heck is Melchizedek? <laughs> <laughs> he was a priest. And Casey, do you remember what he just said? A king of Ooh. Salem. 
Salem. Ah, wow. So, we have really short memories. Melchizedek is this mysterious figure who pops up here. He he pops up in the Psalms and then he pops up in Hebrews. Melchizedek, we're not going to have enough time. This is going to have to be an episode of Ignition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Melchizedek is a priest king of Salem. Salem. Does that sound like any other locales that might be uh, important in the uh, Old Testament? Uh, Salem. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. He's the priest king of Jerusalem, which oh. later under David, centuries later, is going to become uh, the, the capital of, okay. of, but now this is, this is so it wasn't called hundreds, Jerusalem then; it was no. called Salem. Yeah, okay. And he's the priest king of Jerusalem, uh, of, of Salem, which will become Jerusalem. Um, David will also be a priest king. There's a whole thing, even though sure. David right. is not a Levitical priest; he's not a son of Aaron. He's of the tribe of Judah, but he puts on priestly garments and he asks, acts in a priestly manner, and he's a king of Jerusalem. Right. So Melchizedek, this figure, and Abraham is blessed by him and Abraham gives him a tenth of everything. Melchizedek has some sort of authority over Abraham. Right. Yeah. Because Abraham would not have he wouldn't have received the blessing from him, wouldn't have given him a tithe, mm-hmm. a tenth of a tenth. everything he owns if there, he wasn't in authority over him. Right. So there is a Jewish tradition that Melchizedek is actually Shem, the okay. firstborn son of Noah. Now, the chronology oh. is really like, how yeah, do you that's really that tough. Out? That's, <laughs> but that was the Jewish tradition, even at the, after the time of Jesus. Okay. So, that, how does that actually literally work? We don't know. Right. But that, because he is a higher figure. And the, the other thing I want to hide out so, he's a priest king who offers a sacrifice of bread and, and wine. wine. Yeah. This is centuries. Thousands of years before Jesus, you have a priest king who offers a sacrifice of bread and wine and is this mysterious figure who has authority over Abraham, the great patriarch. So an incredible foreshadowing very early on in scripture of the great gift of the Eucharist. And there'll be more of this in the Bishop's Bulletin coming up in Dr. Bergwald's column. Amen. So watch for that. Stay tuned. In the studio with me today, I have Elena McDonald. She is one of the newest clinical counselors at the Lord Center. And we're going to learn about her, about what drew her to counseling, and um, just see what we can find out about what she does. So thank you for being here today, Elena. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you. I know you're a little nervous today, but this is going to be super easy. So awesome. don't worry. Awesome. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> um, okay. So you have been at the Lord Center only just a little over a month. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How's it going so far? It's going amazing. Good. It's it's so such a wonderful experience. Like Good. from the day of my interview, mm-hmm. it just felt like this is where I'm meant to be. Oh, good, good. And I've just felt the presence of God. Oh, that's honestly every day when I'm meeting with my clients, when I'm doing other projects, it's just it's such a beautiful experience. That's awesome. Yeah. It's good to hear you say that. I'm yeah. glad that's happening yeah. so yeah. far. Um, okay, so let's start by if you'll tell us a little bit about yourself and mm-hmm. especially how you ended up in South Dakota, because if people can't hear it yet, there's a little bit of an accent to your voice. So we're yes. going to learn all about that, yeah. too. So yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself, please. So, yes, I originally I am from Russia mm-hmm. and I came to America in August will be 10 years. Okay. So I came in search of education mm-hmm. and I may talk about it later mm-hmm. um, of why specifically America, but I, I came to get education and I got my bachelor's in psychology in Kentucky 
And then I also worked with my master's in clinical mental health counseling. Okay. Um, in Eastern Kentucky University. So it's, that's kind of where it began. And my passion really sparked for mental health uh, since childhood. But okay. this is where I was able to really pursue that passion. Right. And get the knowledge. And then, so now... Um, in Kentucky, that's where I met my husband. Okay. Yes. So uh, he is a military officer. Okay. And we were stationed in Fort Knox, Kentucky. Sure. Um, for, a, for a while. And now he was transferred here in Sioux Falls. So that's kind of that how we... That was lucky we, for us. Yeah, I, know, I know. Well, it was also lucky for us because yeah. we are loving Sioux Falls. Good. And maybe we'll stay. Right. Because um, there's there's options and we we love it so much that we would love to stay. Yeah. How long has yeah. he been in the military then? He uh, was in the military academy for five years. Okay. And since then, he served for another six. Okay. So so he may still get moved around a little bit, possibly. He may, yeah. yeah. Does, does but, he have the option to stay put as an officer? Uh, a little bit. I don't bit, know how that but works. But then he's also maybe considering getting out and pursuing oh, sure. kind of um, civilian life. Sure. So if he does that, we have then all you have the all, flexibility. Right, yeah. right. All you yeah. want. Yeah. Okay. So you grew up in Russia. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about your family and what your life was like there? Yeah. So my whole family still lives in Russia. Okay. And with the current kind of situation and climate, it's very difficult. I'm very grateful to say that they're safe. Good. Uh, but with the current situation, we don't support what is happening. Mm -hmm. We don't support the Russian government. And honestly, majority of people back home don't. Okay. It's all coming from from the government. There's a lot of propaganda coming out of yeah, there right now. Yeah, yeah, and it's very heartbreaking, mm -hmm. honestly. And I constantly worry for my 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 family. But I was born and raised in Russia, mm -hmm. and I love the country and the culture. And I'm just I hope and pray that one day um, the 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 world peace will be a thing yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, I. I grew up there. That the, that's my home. I grew up mm -hmm. in the small um, town, big city. It's a pretty big city. I think it's between like seven hundred thousand okay. to a million people. Much bigger than here. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it is. So it is. Um, it's called Taliati. It's on the Volga River. Okay. Um, kind of southeast from Moscow, but closer to Kazakhstan border. Okay. So. Um, very hardworking city. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, not very touristy. We don't have much to sure. see, but there's a lot of kind of factories and, and farms and very, very a lot of hardworking sure. people. Sure, sure. Yeah. Brothers and sisters? I have a younger sister. Okay. Who lives in South Carolina, actually. So oh, no. I only, okay. I only technically have her uh, as a blood family. Sure. Here in, in, the, in the States. Right. But everyone right. else is still in Russia. Right. Yeah. So how did you end up in Kentucky? Just because that was the particular school you picked? So I was a professional swimmer oh. and because as an international student, you cannot have any student loans. So you have oh. to find a way to pay for your school outright. Oh, that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, school is very expensive. Yes. <laughs> and if you can't take student loans, you have to pay outright. You have to find a way. My parents could not afford mm -hmm. even a small part of right. what typical American college year right. costs right. with room and board and everything else. So... Because I was a swimmer, I was able to get scholarships oh, good. and talking to coaches. And I talked to so many schools, but the one small school in Kentucky really saw 
potential in me, and I also applied very late, mm-hmm. so that was a little hiccup. Uh, but uh, they had some money for me. They had an athletic scholarship. I also was able to get an academic scholarship, and that just changed my life. That's it so gave helpful. Me, gave me a golden ticket. Yeah, yeah. To come here, but that's yeah. kind of how I was able to afford it. And I did not know anybody in Kentucky. Or it had to be a challenge. America. First two months, yeah, in America were the hardest months of my life. Yeah. My English was horrible. <laughs> well, it's and, very good now. So <laughs> thank you. Well, 10 years later. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But um, when I first came, my English was really bad because mm-hmm. I had to learn big academic words. To oh, pass sure. SAT mm-hmm. and TOEFL, which is English proficiency test. Mm-hmm. And then I did not know just basic everyday English. Which was which was a struggle because I what I, we talk different than we. <laughs> well, I remember that one word that I really struggled with was, was a towel, and I was a swimmer. Oh. I should have known the word. I used the towels every single day after practice, before practice, whatever. And the word towel, I could not memorize that word, so I would explain it. Um, I would call it the blanket for shower. <laughs> Because I just could not remember what the word was, but people understood me. Right, and right. also the same thing with professors. They were so understanding and so helpful. Yeah. Sometimes I couldn't remember the word and they would um, take my just very silly explanations for certain words. Right. And right. I was so grateful for that. Yeah, <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And and hope, at least it was only two months that there was a little bit yeah. of struggle and then you then got through that. It really helped when you kind of dive into the culture mm-hmm. and the culture shock was huge. Yeah, I bet. And that's something that I also love working with, culture shock. And oh, sure. I, I worked with other people from other countries mm-hmm. and overcoming that culture shock is huge. And yeah. sometimes you need help to navigate through that. So yeah. I, I went yeah. through this myself, so yep. I can really understand the pain and the struggle yeah. of, of trying to adjust to a new culture. Mm-hmm. And culture doesn't necessarily mean being from another country. It's right, right. Like moving well, even, from one even, state to another, from one yes, city to I was just another, say from a small town to mm-hmm. a big city. Mm-hmm. So many things can cause that kind of culture shock. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. Well, can you tell us a little bit about what your faith journey has been like as a Catholic? Did you grow up Catholic? Mm-mm. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, even no. more interesting. Okay. <laughs> so I grew up in Russian Orthodox. Okay. And it's 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 got some similar. similarities, yes. Yeah, very similar. But I honestly never truly felt that sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. It was, it felt like empty rituals. I don't okay. know. It sounds sure. very sad, but that, that was kind of my impression of it. And I grew up learning all the things and participating as much as I could, but it just never felt like I really belonged. Mm-hmm. And so then when I got accepted to college, the small college that I went to is Lindsay Wilson College in a small Methodist school. Okay. So there I was able to learn a little bit different Mm-hmm. things and participate in different events and things like and that. And Kentucky is not known for their uh, large number of Catholics. So <laughs> some, some areas have more than sure. others, but yeah. Um, and again, I didn't feel that sense of belonging. And um, and then five years ago, I met a guy who is now my husband uh-huh. and he is full-blown Catholic, yep. and his family is fully Catholic. And he one day invited me to go to a Mass with him. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, I'll try. And wow. Like the, the, that sense of belonging that I was lacking this whole time, my mm-hmm. whole life, it really hit me. 
and I feel like the Holy Spirit was there that night uh, or that morning. It was Saturday mm-hmm. morning, Sunday morning. Um, and I just felt that such strong feeling of this is it. This mm-hmm. is what I've been looking for. And so ever since then, I started um, going to Mass and learning as much as I can about Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. And then I made the decision by myself to join our CIA classes. Mm-hmm. And I attended those for full year right. and then made a decision to convert. Yeah. And so three over three years ago now um, on Easter, Good. I became a Catholic. Yes. And now I am... I'm here. I'm part of it, and it yeah. feels so amazing to be oh, part that's of so a community. I'm glad you said that. It was your choice to do that because mm-hmm. it's really important. I think in a marriage, especially, yeah. that it, it that it is your choice, and you don't feel pressure from your yeah. partner. Absolutely, because that can be really detrimental Absolutely. if it's not your choice. No, and I feel like I started developing that um, relationship with God, mm-hmm. and so it wasn't so much as it was tied to my relationship to my then boyfriend, right. Right. It was more so very focused on my relationship with God, my sure. personal relationship with God. And then as my relationship with my boyfriend grew and he became my fiance, mm-hmm. now he's my husband. Now it's it's a union with us and the God. Right, right. Yeah. Which but is super important. Such a beautiful journey. Yeah. It was an adventure. It still is. Good. Yeah. <laughs> you probably still, uh, I know a lot of converts especially are just always really always learning and, and mm-hmm. just really hungry for that, which more of us cradle Catholics need to be. A little more in that way. (laughs) We can learn something from from converts just because of Mm -hmm. the the excitement and the joy that Mm -hmm. you know we're just used to it. It's old child sometimes. Yeah, we all are children of God, and I just really feel that childhood excitement Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for the faith, for the journey, for going to mass, Mm -hmm. and yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. All right, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Elena McDonald. She is one of the newest clinical counselors at the Lord Center. So let's talk a little bit about what you do at the Lord mm-hmm. Center. So, um, well, let's first I want to know what drew you to the counseling profession. Uh, and then you can tell us a little bit about maybe what you do. Yeah, so what drew me, uh, growing up in Russia, I just saw such a huge lack of services. Mm-hmm. And both of my grandfathers struggled with alcohol addiction. Oh. That was kind of began due to very traumatic grief. Sure. And there wasn't anything they could do less than mm-hmm. to numb their pain. They just turned to alcohol. Right. And it kind of, in the end, it ended their lives. Mm-hmm. So seeing that in my own family, but then also seeing it everywhere in the in the country. And I'm hoping that since I haven't lived in Russia for 10 years, right. and the last time I visited was six years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that now if things changed. Right. But I I don't know. Uh, but when I was growing up, there was no services. Right. And talking about mental health was a huge taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you did say that you were seeing a counselor, people just assumed that you have a schizophrenia at the minimum. Sure. And you were about to just, you're a crazy person. Yep. So you couldn't even, if you were to find something and you were trying to go and just talk and find help, people were judging. And sure. Yeah, it was that not, happened here in this country too for many, many yeah. for a long time. So Russia's not alone yeah. in that. <laughs> true, true, true. Yes. And so I just I saw that, and that's where I was just constantly asking questions: why, why, mm-hmm. why, why? 
and it sparked my own interest in mm-hmm. mental health and what are some things to help people who are grieving, who are struggling with addictions, who just struggling with change or anxiety, yep. depression, all of those things. And so I couldn't find anything that I could go and turn to in Russia. So I started looking abroad. Mm-hmm. And at first I was looking at getting getting education either in Germany or Czech Republic. Oh, sure. And I started even learning the languages mm-hmm. for about two months. But Should then, have been learning English, apparently. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, so then I just discovered this big dream of of America and possibilities mm-hmm. that are in America with getting an athletic scholarship and being able to really pursue mental health mm-hmm. field and job and career. And I mean, I, I, I got the starry eyes. <laughs> and it's like I we're going to, to Hollywood, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it was, it turned into such a huge dream when mm-hmm. I was 16. So in two years, so I learned English from scratch and started applying and was able to get in and um, start studying psychology. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just all started from not seeing yeah. any services available yeah. around me and wanting to be that person right. to help right. others. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, tell us what you do with the mm-hmm. Lord Center and what is your approach to your work? Yeah. So I'm a clinical counselor. Mm-hmm. I see um, people, small and big mm-hmm. <laughs> from all backgrounds. I, I see kids, I see teenagers, I see adults with variety of things that okay. are happening in their lives mm-hmm. from clinical disorders and mental health um, um, problems to just life changes and transitions. Sure. And kind of temporary struggles. Mm-hmm. So I, I love what I do and my approach is to meet the client where they are because mm-hmm. you don't take the same approach with a 40-year-old woman oh, and sure. a five-year-old child. Right, right. Or and a teenager. With, <laughs> or, or a teenager or even take two young women, but mm-hmm. one of them struggles with anxiety and the other one has relationship problems. So sure. the approach really depends on, on the person. And I like to meet client where they are and then getting to know them personally. Yeah. Because I think it starts with that relationship. Mm-hmm. So that people can really open up and then you can see where the strengths are. Mm-hmm. I love finding people's strengths. Right. And pointing them out to them because sometimes we don't realize what oh, that's very true. What our strengths are. Mm-hmm. And then working on using those strengths mm-hmm. to bring to overall wellness. And that's my goal. Right. To bring the client to overall wellness and a love exploring all aspects of their lives. Cause sometimes people come in and they say, Oh, I'm really struggling with a gambling addiction, mm-hmm. for example. And they th- kind of really focus on that financial aspect of their life. Mm-hmm. But then when we start exploring just plain relationships or emotional health or spiritual life, mm-hmm. you realize where else are some of the little struggles and, right. and pains and traumas. and What well, might be causing that exactly. addiction exactly. behavior? Yeah. yeah. So you can get to really explore that from very holistic aspect and point of view. Mm-hmm. And then the goal is to bring the client to overall wellness. Right. Not just solve that one right. issue, right. but really help with the whole yeah. Um, the whole person, whole, maybe. The whole person, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, so another thing that, so I had talked with Emily Leadham uh, before talking with you, and she said that you're, you're doing a lot of research around um, couples work. Yeah. Okay. Tell me what that is. 
think uh, I just completed uh, the first level of the Godman's couples therapy okay. training. It's it's incredible. They mm-hmm. they have so much humor in their work, and <laughs> it's 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 not only educational. It's also very entertaining. Mm-hmm. But it's incredible to see how um, the relationship between people work. Right. So it's not just a person with one person with certain issues mm-hmm. and strength, but now you have two people or you have a whole family. And so it's amazing to navigate and teach people how to do healthy compromise. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How to <laughs> navigate <What's that>? the <laughs> conflicts. Yes. And I'm actually writing an article on um, how natural family planning strengthens marriages. Oh, nice. So, yeah, using kind of Gottman's work. Mm-hmm. So that will be... Uh, published posted soon very good yeah so and yes just working through the relationships and seeing how to help people with very different typically backgrounds Mm -hmm. and sometimes different values and different stories different struggles how to get to know each other better understand each other better understand each other's strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. and then Again, finding healthy compromises yeah, and, and yeah. all of that. So I'm very, very interested in couples' work. And my goal is to one day become, like, specifically certified. Oh, um, yeah. Maybe couples and family therapist. Yeah. That's very needed. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should definitely do that. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. Yeah. All right. Well, we have about a minute or so left. Um, can you tell me, what has your work taught you about yourself? Hmm. That's a really good question. <laughs> I think the main thing is that I have such a huge passion to help people. Mm-hmm. And it just drives me to learn more and more and more and more as, as much as I can. I, I'm getting so many books. I, I just want to be the most competent person that right. they step into my door. They know I will know how to help them. Right. And so I... My dream is one day to get a PhD. I want to get different certifications like in marriage and family counseling, mm-hmm. EMDR, and some other things. Like I really want to be as competent as I can be mm-hmm. for my clients. And so that's the main thing that I've learned, that I have so much drive in me mm-hmm. for learning so that I can be the best therapist I can be. Well, I'm excited to see how that comes along for you because yeah. we certainly need it. I know that uh, Emily has said they have waiting lists of people down there. So (laughs) we need all the help we can get Mm -hmm. (laughs) right now. Um, Elena, real quick, Mm -hmm. uh, do you have a certain saint that you turn to a lot? Yes. And it can be pretty obvious maybe, but Saint Diphna. Oh, sure. She is the the saint for people who struggle with mental Mental, health. Yep. yep. Oh, she's she's, a great one. Yeah. I pray to her a a lot. And yeah. Good. Yeah. She's my go-to. Got to have a saint to back you up all the time, don't you? And she does. (laughs) I feel like she's right behind me. (laughs) Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It was really good to get to know you. And um, hopefully people will uh, get in touch with the Lord Center Mm -hmm. and get the help that they need when they need it. Because all of us need some sometime. I agree. And also get help before you need it, too. Yes, that too. (laughs) Especially couples. That would be great. Yeah, I know. know. But I love my job. Good, good. Thanks, Elena. All right. If you haven't found us already on social media, you can find us at Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and at YouTube and Rumble at SF Diocese anytime. 
or you can uh, come to our website at sfcatholic.org. That is it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic News.